What is up, everyone, and welcome to our third episode here on the Five Out Podcast for our college basketball interviews. Today, I got a very good friend of mine. Uh, you guys will meet him in just one second. Before we get the interview actually started, I want to give you guys a little bit of information about us. Uh, this is probably some of you guys' first time hearing us, but you guys can check us out. We release episodes every single week about NBA content, college basketball, and then here in the summer, we'll be doing probably some w WNBA stuff as well. But you can check us out on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Uh, on YouTube, you'll have to look us up at Sideline Sports, though, the channel name. And then on Apple and Spotify, you can look us up at Five Out. Again, we post daily content or we post content of, you know, stuff that's happening around that time. You know, right now the NBA playoffs are going on. So it's a, it's a great time to catch us. We have some funny stuff that we do. We, uh, we talk about all things NBA as well. <clears throat> but be sure to check us out on those platforms. If you'd like to check us out on Twitter, though, and or Instagram and TikTok. On Twitter, you can look us up at Five Underscore Out. Uh, we post daily content there about playoffs, polls, questions, all types of stuff on that on that Twitter page. And then on Instagram and TikTok, you'll see very similar stuff you see on Twitter, but a little bit different, obviously different platforms. Um, but you have to look up there at Sideline Sports. Actually, you'll see a lot of basketball content, but you also see some football and other sports as well on that page. Be sure to go check out those pages. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, follow, do whatever it, it says you ask you to do. Um, it's 100% free for you guys, so you might as well, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we also released merch, so if you're watching this on YouTube, I will post a little clip of the merch here that we have. Be sure to check that out. I'll leave the link in the description for both um, podcasts and YouTube for you guys. Let's go ahead and get this interview started. This is Bradley Mason, everyone. Hey, slip, slide, trying to provide for me, for me. For me, find me somewhere out in London. You know that's the hideaway. I need some head and some more support from you right away. Since I've been making donations to you like you night away. You know I do. Stories you told me about him, I can see that it's night and day. You told me the truth. Walking from here to my bedroom and feel like it's miles away. It's too many what is up, everyone, and welcome to the third official Five Out Basketball Podcast interview. Uh, today I got my, I got with me Bradley Mason, um, me and him actually, we didn't kind of really meet until I would say our freshman, sophomore year of high school. Uh, we played against each other a ton in middle school. I, I probably hated your guts at one point because, uh, you, you always had that strap on you, um, <laughs> always a deadly shooter and always playing on good teams. And then just, he would always put the dagger in you at the end. Um, but officially kind of, we became friends. I would say sophomore year, freshman year, it's kind of when he first kind of came on. So uh, been known him for a while now, though, and uh, I mean, as I mentioned, this dude's got a strap on him. He's one of the best shooters that I've ever played with, um, and then just one of the best hoopers in general. He doesn't only just have a uh, he, he's not he's not only just a shooter. He can beat you on off the dribble. Um, he's actually sneak, sneakily good at defense. I'll give you that. Okay, he's not going to lock down anyone, but he's sneakily <laughs> good at defense. Um, but this is this is Bradley. Uh, we, well, shoot. <sighs> Like I said, I've known him for a little while now. Uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about your AAU days. When did you kind of first start playing AAU uh, basketball? Yeah, so really I've been playing ball ever since I could walk. Um, my earliest memories of AAU, I want to say, were probably around like fourth and fifth grade is when I really kind of got into it. Um, started doing a little bit of traveling to Houston and some other local states. Um, so I want to say probably around fourth or fifth grade is when I really, um, earliest memories of trying to, you know, starting getting into AAU, mm -hmm. um, taking it seriously, start traveling, playing some other teams from outside, you know, the Dallas area. 
Now, at this time, was basketball like kind of your only main sport you played, or did you kind of play other sports on the side as well? Yes. So growing up, I actually played a lot of sports, tried almost everything. Um, around fourth and fifth grade, I was still playing football, uh, still playing baseball, and still doing soccer as well. Um, but basketball was still definitely the main sport, what I was best at, what I most enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I was still playing some other sports up until about middle school. Uh, I was playing all those sports until then I started narrowing it down just to basketball and football. I gotcha. Sounds good. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I played a lot of sports as well, but I will say basketball, I feel like, I feel like anyone our age would say basketball is where we kind of, you, you, you could take that step forward earlier than you could in other sports. Um, right, so right. I, that's why I yeah. see a lot of young kids play basketball early on. Um, yeah. Now, what, what were some of those teams you played for? Because, I mean, again, I don't remember exactly what teams you played for uh, whenever we played against each other, but I did see you on a lot, of, a lot of weekends. But what were some of those early teams you played on, if you can remember? Yeah, so some of the early teams I was on was uh, Flight 9 with George Lynch. You probably remember that. Um, and then some Texas Express teams mm -hmm. um, with Coach Chris Hall. And then some Team Texas teams with Coach Dion. And then that was the last one, I think, before I came over to your guys' team, Texas team, or like you said, around freshman year with Coach Big. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I starting to come back to me. The Flight 9 teams, we talked about with Kobe last week. Uh, let me get your experience about that Flight 9, because that, that, um, that was a special kind of group they had going on there. Um, the, if you remember the Flight 9 camp, where they just basically ran you the entire camp, that was terrible. But tell me about Flight 9 a little bit. Yeah. Uh, obviously a long time ago, but I know I was surrounded with great coaches. Obviously, George Lynch played in the NBA. Um, some other coaches under him that had, you know, NBA and pro experience as well. I was over there with Mike uh, McGraw early on, Flight 9. Um, so, but yeah, to your point, I mean, as far as working hard, that was really where I got that first experience, I think, of what it takes to really play, mm -hmm. um, you know, at the level and, you know, be an elite player as a young kid. Um, because they really introduced us to that, you know, level of competitiveness and work ethic that you had to have um, mm -hmm. moving forward. And, you know, it's, it's a controversial topic. A lot of people obviously don't, you know, parents may not want their kids pushed like that early on. Um, but it was just one of those things that, you know, kind of was what it was. And, and I knew, obviously, getting coaching from former pro guys and stuff like that, that I knew that they I knew what they were talking about. And I knew um, the stuff that they were having us do were stuff that they did as well and kind of just what it took to get to the next level. Exactly. And it, it just it takes a little bit to kind of get into that, you know, mindset of, oh, crap, like, you know, this is actually like tough work and it takes tough work to be good. Because when you're young, you're just like, oh, I just want to play the games. I don't care about practice. Yeah. I don't care about getting better. But it kind of takes that that one practice or that one team. It's kind of like, all right, this is how you got to actually get better. And so five nine, I think, definitely opened a lot of people's eyes, you know, Guys like Terrence Ferguson was playing in that in that organization. Um, Jet Duffy, who was a quarterback for Texas Tech a couple years ago, you know, big name guys. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, George Lynch um, was the kind of the main guy there. So, yeah, it showed us a lot, you know, how to be successful. Now, one guy I think that you and I both, I would say, have, have high respect for, Coach Vic. When was the first time you met Coach Vic? Um. Don't really remember exactly when, but I mean, I can remember seeing Coach Vic on the sidelines from the first tournament I was on, you know, always having multiple teams. But it was probably around that middle school age when I really got, you know, introduced to him a couple of years before I came over to play with you guys and him. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, I mean, I'd always known of Coach Vic. He had always, you know, said stuff to me after the games. It's like, you know, you're a good shooter, good player, whatever, come play for me, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'd been seeing you guys and Kobe since, since day one of playing AAU. Um, but yeah, I think it was probably around that middle school age um, when I was, you know, coming over from Texas, where I was still playing with Team Texas with Coach Dion, mm-hmm. um, when I really kind of got introduced with Coach Big. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, a lot of people. Obviously, I talked to his son last week, but uh, it, it, a lot of people in the Dallas area, you say Coach Vic's name, and they're like, oh, like they they have a story about him. Uh, right. <laughs> do you have Do you have one story about Coach Vic that you would say is maybe your favorite? Um, or maybe just like a funny coaching moment or something. Uh, what's your best Coach Vic story? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of memories that you know Coach Vic. I think uh, the one I remember the most now that you bring that up is probably just being in Vegas that last year. You know, our junior year, mm-hmm. um, we went down there a little bit early. Uh, I think I wrote. I actually went with you. Yeah, before my dad mm-hmm. stuff blew out, and I was staying with you guys and Coach Vic. Um, and just when we were going sightseeing, just Coach Vic you know, playing rap and singing along, rapping in his car, um, just being like one of us, you know, being yeah. one of the teammates, guys, stuff like that. Those are those are the memories I, I uh, remember and, you know, look back on the most, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Coach Coach Vic was a character and, you know, obviously on, on the court, like that dude is as competitive as it gets, but off the court, he, he was a funny dude. Um, yeah. and, and definitely, you know, for myself, I, I played with him since seventh grade. You know, I, I saw it a lot more uh, just because I was with him for so much longer. Um, right. But even even for you, who's only played with him uh, officially on his team for like three years, um, we saw he he was a goofball off the court. And, but I will say he he's all, he has the best shoe game I think of, of anyone. I was about to say he would come. We would always joke about it too, but he'd come to every tournament with a new pair of Nikes. You know, it's like something that we've never seen before. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but shout out to Coach Vic, um, yeah. great coach. I know he's still out there, you know, grinding every weekend. I think he has like five teams this year. Um, you know, dude, dude's always grinding. He's always got something going on. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to just a little bit about RAU days. So I think the year before you came to us, we had a really good team. Um, and we actually lost a couple guards. And Coach Vic took it upon himself to go out and find find replacements. Um, and we got Brady Anderson as well as yourself. Actually, I think Brady was on the team one year before you. Um, but you came the next year. And I mean, you fit like a glove, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of easy when you have a bunch of guards on your team that can just go by anyone and allows you to kind of sit on the corner and shoot. And like I said, Bradley can shoot the ball better than a lot of people can, but if you're going to go close out on him and make him and, and push him off the line, he's going to go right by you and attack. Um, but what kind of was your mindset coming on and, and what was your experience playing with, with, with us? Yeah, I mean, coming on, I was just trying to fit in, you know, kind of fill that gap, being a shooter, scorer. Um, but as far as first impressions and playing with you guys, you know, obviously I've been playing with you guys or playing against you guys forever. Uh, so I kind of know how you guys already played and operated and stuff like that. But, man, those were the most fun days, I think, playing with you guys, how unselfish we were, um, how fundamentally, like, sound we were without even Coach Vick really having to say anything. We didn't really call plays. You know, it was all just kind of emotion uh obviously you I think kind of being the Draymond Green uh <laughs> great passer obviously could put the ball in the basket but you just being that that point forward I just remember always uh watching you and Josh Fink work together on the backdoor passes all that kind of stuff I mean y'all yeah. were great at that um but yeah fitting right in obviously me being a shooter being fundamental stuff like that I think I fit right in Brady Michael um Josh you all the rest of the people uh Kobe as well um but yeah I mean looking back at it 
those those days were so easy you know once you get to the college level it's a lot more structured and you know knowing your role that kind of thing um but with you guys man we all could put the ball in the hole we all could dribble we anybody who got the rebound could push it Mm -hmm. um we just played so free and i think that's why we ended up beating and playing with a lot of teams that had more talent more size more athleticism than us yeah uh just simply because we played like we had nothing to lose and you Mm -hmm. know whoever had the open shot was letting it fly and we were just playing off that so um yeah i think i fit right in Mm -hmm. um and yeah, those were some of the most fun days I think I had playing with a team like that. Yeah, it, it was always fun. Uh, I, again, we didn't have like, we didn't have a ton of plays. We did have some plays here and there. Right. You know, two, two kind of plays I'm going to bring back or that I can remember. And they're not actually like named plays, but we call, I think it was like four corners or whatever. Yep. We'd have three guys up top, Late two game. guys in the corner. Yeah, end of game. Yep. Honestly, we'd run it anytime. We just needed a bucket even. Right. Um, and it was just right, all everybody out. Yeah, it was just all about matchups. So, like, you know, if you if you had a guard, if you had someone on the team who couldn't guard you, yep. hey, get Bradley the ball. And yep. everyone is in a corner and Bradley's in the middle of the court one on one. Go do whatever you got to do. Yep. Um, and and so like it it made it so easy. I mean, we literally just played matchups. And then another play, and again, it wasn't a play, but Coach Bacon practice, you know, if we were in motion, he would just if especially there's like me and like Colin or me and Melvin or me and Zach on the floor, he'd be like, you know, Drew, you're assigned to Michael, Zach, you're assigned to Bradley, get him open. Yeah. Yep. So like all we did was just set screens for you guys and, and just try to get our shooters open and get them open looks or, you know, get someone coming off the ball or second cut somewhere here and there. And so, yeah, I mean, it it really made everyone's job easy. And then it's nice going down on defense. We don't got to play man defense. We're sending two, three zone, um, you know, and making, making stuff tough for the other team. So yeah, it was, I can, I always tell people, I was like, it's, it's fun to play, but we always had a shot against everyone. Yeah. Yeah. No matter who we were matched up against. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can, I'm got, you know, I think that the, it was the year before our last year, um, we played a Gasso. Then we played to, then we went to Vegas and came back and played in primetime nationals. And we went like 17 and two in three weeks. Yep. Um, And we beat Terrence Ferguson's Mo Williams elite team at that point. We beat an urban DFW team. Uh, We went to Vegas and we should have won Vegas or at least won those two games we lost and we weren't blowouts. So, right. Um, and came back in one prime time a year above, you know, the year up. Yeah, I remember that. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that, that was a special run. Now our senior, well, I guess our last AAU, um, it, that was quite, that was quite fun. I would say the Vegas trip, not the on court, off the court, um, you know, Brady at that point was 18. Right. You know, he was able to buy a couple of things here and there for us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little bit more hoodlums on the team. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember if it was you or Zach or someone else. I remember someone, someone was selling Bud Light on the strip yep. and someone walked up and he go, and you guys are like, I'll buy, you know, a six pack for $5 or something like that. And the guys like, all right. So we had a six pack of Bud Light walking. Yeah. Oh man. It I was, won't say who that was, but I was in the crowd. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I was going to say. Even just off court, we were a little bit older, a little bit more bold, uh, just mm-hmm. walking on the strip, you know, late night, that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, it was, we, we definitely, we definitely had a good time, um, you know, and th- I think that's the cool thing about us is we all, we all lived in the Dallas area. We all played against each other um, and we, all, we not, none of us went to the same high school besides myself and a couple others um, and you and Zach, but, uh, but we were all like, we just, we just bonded on and off the court. We were cool with each other. Uh, we went on vacations or I guess I wouldn't call them vacation, but we went on out of uh, state or out of town tournaments. We all just got along. We all hung out real well. Um, everything was fun. 
no matter what it was, no matter what we were doing, but the strip especially um, was quite fun. <laughs> Uh, those late night strip walks, especially after you got out of the tournament, you had nothing to right. lose. Well, that's, and I was going to say and that, that I think us getting along kind of started from the top, mm-hmm. um, obviously with coach big, but then our parents too. And that's what I was going to say in Vegas, you know, they were, after we lost those last couple of days when we were there, just, you know, waiting for our flight back. Uh, you probably remember our dads were in the casino till three and four in the eight, you know, in the mm-hmm. morning together. Um, so that's why we were all together, just yeah. walking the strip, yeah. doing whatever. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that really started from Coach Dick at the top, mm-hmm. um, and then all of our parents getting along too. It really helped us bond off the court uh, so quickly. Yeah, exactly. And it obviously, we I think I think realistically, Vic wanted to create a family environment, and I think everyone kind of bought into that. And real, really, everyone everyone was a family by the end of the season. Um, and then you know, next year rolls around, it's it's just like old times. And so uh, it was really cool to kind of see that. And again, you know, I got to got to meet Bradley um, through through AAU, so it was awesome. Um, and then I, I actually want to talk about your sister real fast because she's out there playing at St. Edwards right now in, in Austin, but she, w- she went through the AAU process as well. Can you t- kind of talk about what it's like having a younger sister, um, I guess, kind of play basketball and kind of go through the same steps you were going through at that time? Yeah, so she was playing for uh, Texas Lone Star. They're part of the Adidas mm-hmm. um, Gauntlet little organization club. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. And it was interesting. And, you know, like you said earlier, she did look up to me and stuff. Um, but it was, it's weird to see on the girl's side, you know, how it differs from the guy's side a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but they, you know, all their big tournaments were mostly, um, in North Dallas area. So Frisco, at Frisco Fieldhouse, whereas we played, you know, South Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, Duncanville, DeSoto, Bob Knight Fieldhouse, most of their tournaments are up North, uh, here in the Frisco area or whatever. Um, but yeah, her, 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 uh, AAU career was good. She, unlike me stayed with that same team pretty much all years mm-hmm. coming through where I kind of bounced around through a couple teams. Um, but they had a tight knit group just like us. They returned the same team pretty much every year. Um, so that by the time their senior year came, they had been playing, those girls had been playing together, you know, mm-hmm. at least four or five years. Um, but yeah, she had, she had, uh, more interest, I'll say coming out of high school than I did. Mm-hmm. She had a couple different offers and stuff, um, ended up going to St. Edwards. Um, but I want to say out of the, out of the five girls that started, obviously, mm-hmm. um, her senior year, I think all five of them ended up signing, um, at the, you know, division two, division one level, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so they had a good little team. They were a lot like us, mm-hmm. um, not the most athletic, um, not the biggest, but they really played well together. Obviously, they played together for a while. They were well coached. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they shared the ball and, and, and played really unselfish together. So, yeah. but yeah, I think on the girls' side, the biggest takeaway is just um, a lot of the, it seems like a lot of the girls' coaches were actually at the games, whereas mm-hmm. some of them on the guy side, you know, you get contact from coaches that see you on film, see yeah. you on social media where the girls, it seemed like they were a lot more hands-on, where, like, the head coaches, assistant coaches were seeming mm-hmm. to come out to their games and see them play in person a lot more Yeah, uh, was the biggest difference. But, yeah, it was it was definitely an experience, definitely cool and interesting to see her kind of following my footsteps um, through the AAU process. There you go. Well, you mentioned high school and mentioned Frisco Fieldhouse. Obviously, um, if you played in the Dallas area, even if you didn't play in the Dallas area, you probably played at the Frisco Fieldhouse at some point. Um, and I remember always walking in, you seeing all the, all the different Frisco schools. I'm sure they've added like three or four since I've last played there, since last been there. Um, but you actually went to Frisco High School. Um, talk about your high school experience a little bit and what it was like to play in Frisco. Yeah, so at the time, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Um, at the time when I was playing, 
there was, I want to say like six Frisco high schools, mm-hmm. um, but we still had some other local cities in our district, uh, <clears throat> Little Elm, the Colony, Prosper. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a good little district. Um, nowadays, you know, it's, it's all Frisco schools. There, mm-hmm. I think there's like 12 of them now. So their whole district is just Frisco schools. Um, but back when I was playing, we still had, you know, Little Elm, Colony, Prosper, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we had, we, we had a good little district, my, my junior, senior year, mm-hmm. um, pretty much all the top kids on pretty much every team went it to play at the next level, you know, some JUCO, some B3, mm-hmm. NAI, D2, Division One, all that kind of stuff. Um, but there was pretty much one or two solid, really solid, you know, next, next level type players mm-hmm. on every team, um, which is interesting because if, if we were in a school district that was more like Plano or something where you only have three or four schools. And well, now every team would have had mm-hmm. three or four kids that could have played at the next level, make the teams a little bit stronger. So with Frisco, the way it's done, staying five a and just opening up new schools, the talent does get a little bit watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas some of the bigger cities are like Allen, where it's a one town uh, or one school town type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the biggest thing I think was just seeing the talent kind of watered down where as in a different, you know, district, we would all kind of be together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was definitely some good players, um, basketball wise, football, any sport really mm-hmm. in the Frisco area. Like you said, you know, that this North Texas area with all the facilities and out here and all, you know, all that kind of stuff, it's a great place, you know, to grow up as an athlete, mm-hmm. all the facilities, training, stuff like that. So there definitely was talent out here for sure. Yeah. I, and I remember, there's a team in AU. I can't remember their name. I want to. I want to say they were called like the Hoosiers or something. Mm-hmm. Like all their kids went to Frisco Liberty. Liberty, yep. Um, yep. And I actually remember playing them in a regular season game at Cop, like from Coppa, and they oh, basically yeah. ran the exact same stuff that they yep. were running yep. uh, in AAU. And we always beat them in AAU, and then we beat them with my Coppa team, just with different kids. So, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with what you said about watering down the talent. Um, it sucks that Frisco does that. Um, but it is kind of cool too, whenever you see when, whenever, I think now they have two districts where they have Frisco teams. And so they kind of go back to where they have, like, I think one district has a couple teams that aren't Frisco, but, uh, I I mean, I call it the Frisco bubble because that's pretty much what it is. Like you guys, when you guys play district, you guys don't leave the Frisco area. Um, now I'm sure that that definitely tunes up some of the rivalries. Um, who was, who was Frisco high's biggest rival? Yeah. So and nowadays it may be different. I don't know. I mm-hmm. think it still is the same, but definitely when I was playing, it was Wakeland, mm-hmm. uh, Frisco Wakeland. So they're right across the street, essentially from Frisco. That's mm-hmm. the other crazy thing to yeah. all the high schools are so close because there's so many of them. Um, but yeah, it was definitely Wakeland right across the street. And man, that rivalry was insane. Uh, back in the day, obviously pre COVID standing room only have to show up to the game, you know, 30 minutes to an hour before just to kind of get in mm-hmm. place was rocking always always the most fun game obviously when the schedule came out I'm looking for those two games and circling those on my calendar every time yep. um but yeah Frisco Wakeland and, and and what made the rivalry so intense um for for my you know grade when I was an upperclassman junior and senior is they had a couple guys over there that could really play one ended up going division one mm-hmm. um a couple ended up going you know other places as well so we were, we were pretty even teams, yeah. um, always, you know, at the top of the district. And then obviously it was just a good rivalry in, in uh, football and basketball because we were, you know, cross town or cross street um, schools, basically. Gotcha. Now, uh, I've mentioned his name a couple of times now, Zach. Honestly, I have no idea. What, I can't remember his last name. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a hot minute. But, um, but Zach played with you at Frisco, and then he, he came over. I think he played just one year with us, right. uh, maybe like a year and a half with us on the uh, Team Texas team. 
Um, but what was it like kind of, kind of, uh, I guess, building that relationship with Zach and playing with him on multiple levels? Yeah. So Zach, last name Keating. Um, but yeah, Zach, and it, it was, it was good. And, and part of the reason, to be honest, that I brought him over to Team Texas was to help improve his skills and my, and his, um, you know, connection and chemistry. So that way, when we got back to school ball, um, you know, he was, you know, he was better, uh, seeing some people play outside of school ball, obviously better competition, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and, and Zach, and honestly, and you, you can probably speak on it too. Mm-hmm. Zach was one of those kids that got started late, late bloomer, grew late, you know, kind of took him a while to get going. But man, if he was playing basketball as long as us, mm-hmm. you know, was getting trained by Coach Vic and Coach Keith and them for a couple more years, he really could have played at the next level as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that was part of the reason why I took him over there uh, to Team Texas with me is to try to get him better and, you know, get our chemistry and everything back up to speed. So that when we got back to school ball after summer ball was over, um, that we could just hit the ground running. And I think mm-hmm. it really did help us our senior year. Uh, he played a lot better. Minutes mm-hmm. jumped up, production jumped up. And I think a lot of it was uh, just getting that outsized exposure, just seeing what it takes to play at a high level, get that work ethic mm-hmm. um, and seeing different kids that you see all the time at school ball. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously Coach Vic and Coach Keith and then working with him as well. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, he really enjoyed it. And I, I honestly just wish I, we could have got him over there a couple of years before. Um, and see hey, we could have used his size, my guy. Yeah, see where it took him. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You think, I mean, I remember watching him walk in the first day. Now he's not like a giant, you know, obviously I've seen taller people, uh, but, but he's, he was a pretty tall kid compared to what I've, what I've seen on, on a regular basis. And uh, uh, I, w- I was like, Oh, thank, thank you, coach Vic for finding someone that was tall. Now he wasn't like big, you know, so me and him were a lot different. I and mean, we, right. we had, I had a buddy, Colin Eccles, he played and Colin was pretty tall, not as tall as Zach, but Colin was beefy. So like he could battle with right. the bigs. That was, that was Zach's only issue at first was he was just so, and not, not to say that he was weak, but he, like you said, he kind of, he grew later. Um, and so he was just so skinny. So it took him a while to get used to that. But I think, as you said, him facing that in, in AAU, and, and we can both attest to this, you're going to face harder challenges in AAU than you would do in high school. Um, now the game's a little bit different, but like physical competition, you're going to get it rough in, in high school. So, or excuse me, in AAU. So him doing that and then going to high school, I mean, probably made loads of difference. I didn't keep up your senior year. I was, I was doing my own senior year. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, unfortunately we never got to play in high school. Uh, I think that would have just been cool, but, um, yeah, yeah it, it, if you're, if you're, if you're a younger kid listening to this podcast for whatever reason, this episode and you're not playing AAU ball and you're in high school, you're doing something wrong. Okay. Yeah. You got to get into AAU. Um, and I'm, and I'm sure I, and I've, what I talked to with Kobe and, uh, and my buddy, Sam and the other podcasts, like a, like recruitment happens in AAU. They just double back with you in high school. Um, now talk about your recruitment process a little bit. I know you started at Colin community college, but talk about that kind of recruitment process and what it was like and when did you kind of start your recruitment process, junior, or whether you started your junior, sophomore, or senior, talk about your recruitment process. Yeah, you're talking about as far as in high school, right? When at high school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think, and, you know, honestly, you can't get started early enough. That was one mistake I made. I think junior year is when I really started, you know, kind of put my name out there, sending stuff out. Um, but if I would have had to redo it, probably would have started a little bit earlier. Like I said, you can't you can't start early enough, you know, the earlier the better. Um, but, yeah, I started out with just, um, you know, sending tape out, um, getting my name out there, going to different camps, stuff like that. Um, part of the thing in Frisco, too, with 
you know, talent being so watered down. Uh, we were a good school, but we were never good enough to really get past, you know, first, second round in playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, as you know, if you can get past those rounds, then the exposure really comes because now you're playing, you know, into the state, mm -hmm. you know, semis and all that kind of stuff and really get in front of college coaches. Um, but yeah, we, we just never made it past the first or second round. So I didn't get a lot in high school. Um, did have good film, had a coach that had really helped me out as far as sending stuff out. He used some coaches at the next level and stuff. Um, but didn't have any like true offers coming out of high school, had a couple like walk on preferred walk ons interest from different school, that type of thing. Um, so that's ultimately why I ended up choosing Juco route. Um, just because I didn't really have any true set in stone offers. Could have ended up going to some of those schools, but it would have to be as a walk on, you know, potentially yeah. trying to earn a scholarship, that type of thing. So that's why I kind of went Juco to try to earn something from there. Yeah, I gotcha. And, and honestly, going the Juco route is not bad at all. Um, we're going to talk about that here in, in just a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a doggy doggy world or dog. I don't the, the whatever that saying is, I don't know. Uh, but it's definitely a tough world out there when it comes to the recruiting process, just because, um, you know, coaches are trying to find players that fit their role. And then, you know, I saw it in football. Uh, there's a lot more positions opening, you know, there's a hundred plus kids on a roster basketball. You only have what's 15 17 maybe 20 kids depending on the school um and so like they're they're gonna only go after and and there's so much talent especially in the dallas area as i'm seeing more and more like i mean we got dudes all over the nba right now that we've played against um or at least have seen played through tournaments and stuff uh, and kids who are now in high school and stuff and and whatever like that and just got to college like crazy talent just comes out of dallas and so it's not like you know there, there's guys like yourself um, Michael McGraw as well, Brady Anderson, guys who are just amazing ballers, but you know, we're not, we're not tall. We're not, we're not super athletic. Um, and so it's, it's definitely tough. And I mean, again, the Juco route is never a bad route to go. So like, it's not, it's not bad. It's just, it's a grind. And, and we're about to talk yeah. about that here in a second. So we're actually going to take a quick ad time out here from our sponsor anchor.fm. When we come back, we're going to hear about Bradley's uh, Juco career. And then a little bit about his, uh, it's division two, right? UT Tyler's division yeah. two. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was division one FCS. Wasn't sure, but his division yeah, two, yeah. Division two, division yeah. two uh, career when we come back from the break. And we are back. Uh, as I mentioned before we left for the break, we're going to be talking about Colin College now. Uh, Bradley's kind of career at Colin College. So I'm just going to start off. I mean, again, we were just talking about it. I couldn't find much information on Colin College, um, which is which is all right. But we got the man himself to tell us about it. What was your experience like at Colin? Yeah, so I loved uh, I loved Juco, loved Colin. Um, it was a, it's a local junior college here in the Dallas area. It has multiple locations around here. I was actually at the Plano campus, which is about 25, 30 minutes from Frisco. Mm -hmm. um, unlike a lot of Juco's, they actually have uh, like student housing apartments on there. So I lived on campus. Um, so I got to get a little bit of, you know, the true college experience, I guess you could say so. Mm -hmm. um, but man uh like you said i obviously come out of high school i was like oh d1 or nothing type thing and i think everybody has that attitude and it's a good mindset to have but um i always tell people don't feel bad or or not go juco if that's what you got because there is talent in juco like none other obviously collins division one juco we're in one of the better regions in the state if not the whole country mm -hmm. uh, playing against a lot of top junior college teams um but man we i was seeing Division one bounce backs, guys going division one every night, at least three or four on each team, mm -hmm. um, our team included. 
Um, we had two or three go division one, one's playing at West Virginia right now, um, Taz Sherman um, on my team. He was a JUCO All-American. So yeah, there's talent across the board, um, but it, it was a grind. I'll, I'll say that for sure. The, the, the change in physicality, speed of the game, that kind of stuff um, took me a little while to get adjusted to mm -hmm. um, my freshman year. Um, but by my sophomore year, hit the ground running. Obviously, JUCO, it's, it's a little bit different than a four-year school because you're only having freshmen and sophomore, and the, and the team is constantly changing. You know, one year you could have this set of guys, and next year pretty much a whole new set of team mm -hmm. uh, from either guys transferring out or transferring other places, whatever. Um, so freshman year took me a little while to get going. I had a pretty decent freshman year. Uh, sophomore year was really, really my good year. Uh, started about half the games, came off the bench about half the games, but played, you know, solid minutes throughout my yeah. sophomore year. Um, but yeah, it was a grind, but I loved it. I loved the freedom of the game. The Juco game is a lot like the AAU game because everybody's trying to get to the next level. So the coaches really let you rock out. Mm -hmm. Um, so we ran sets, we ran plays, uh, coach Sagona, which is, uh, the coach at Con, uh, great coach, one of the most well-known coaches in the country as far as JUCO level. So um, obviously we ran plays, ran sets and stuff. But I mean, with our team, we were athletic. We could get up and down the court, really mm -hmm. shoot the ball. So he really just let us. He really let us play, um, and that helped us a lot. That fit right in with my style of you know run and gun type thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm I'm really thankful for my experience at Colin, and I, you know I couldn't say enough about that. Yeah, and if you guys can't tell. Yeah, by Bradley, like he he can almost fit into any system you put him in. <laughs> so, you know, anywhere he goes, he's going to be a pretty successful guy, because like I said, he's a shooter. He's an off ball guy. He just said he's a run and gun type of guy. Um, so so you're going to be successful anywhere you kind of go, which which is good. You know, you can fit into any style, unlike myself, where I'm like, OK, we have to run strategic <laughs> stuff for me to be successful. Um, but, you know, obviously, obviously, uh, Bradley's a little bit better with that. But now on the court, obviously. Uh, it takes time, as you mentioned. Your freshman year kind of was tough. Sophomore year, you hit the ground running. Uh, but what was that transition like for off? Now it is a little bit different because it is a JUCO, um, and it's not like you were out of out of the state or you know in a different city in in Dallas or not Dallas in Texas. Um, you were kind of in your hometown, in your backyard. But what was that off court transition like for yourself, um, just by taking college courses and kind of having a lot more freedom than you did in high school? Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest thing was uh, just realizing that being a student athlete at college level was a full-time job um, mm -hmm. with classes and then all the practices and all the requirements that come with being an athlete as well. So I think that was the hardest part. Um, luckily here in, you know, Frisco ISD, and I know a lot of ISDs do it, they do like dual credit, which is where you can take, you know, college credits your senior year, junior year, whatever in high school. So I kind of, and I, I had done that, I took advantage of that. So Coming in, I had already had some credits, already knew what the college um, classes and professors and stuff were kind of like. So that helped out a lot of it. Um, but I think the biggest thing, like I said, was just realizing um, the time management that you have to use at the next level with a full load of classes, um, you know, full-time schedule basketball. And, you know, some people even try to work and, you know, make money on top of that. Um, so that was hard. Um, yeah, I was only about 25 minutes away. But I did choose to live on campus to try to get that, you know, college life. So I was away from home. So obviously stuff that comes with that that I never had to do before. Yeah. Um, just growing up, real, you know, pretty quickly, that kind of stuff. But I think just the full load um, and just the time management aspect of it was the biggest challenge or biggest part of the transition going from high school to college. 
Yeah, no, exactly. You got to do your own laundry, right? <laughs> <laughs> Grocery shop and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a lot different now. Uh, one kind of thing I haven't really, been, I haven't had the opportunity to, to ask a lot of people because they haven't gone the JUCO route. I do have a, a buddy right now who he just played at Connor State, um, in Oklahoma, um, but he's he's now he's now opening his recruitment. He was a freshman this year. But um, what what's the locker room like? You were there for two years, so you did get experience a lot of turnover. Um, and so what's that kind of lock, locker room atmosphere like? I'm sure it's not like how we were when AAU where we were all buddy-buddy for multiple years. Um, but what was it like there for you at Colin? Yeah, so it's it, it, was, it was good. At Colin, we were, we were blessed. I had good teammates, obviously, good coaching staff, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you're right. It is a little more competitive and cutthroat because everybody's trying to get to that next level. Mm-hmm. So it's a line between being you know teammates and buddy buddy but also like hey i'm gonna take your spot type thing and like you said the turnover every year to getting new teammates uh pretty much a whole new team every year um was tough but luckily uh, we had a good group of guys and from my freshman to my sophomore year four or five of us stayed so we were kind of foundation for the incoming freshman you know um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing, the biggest difference at four-year school, at high school level, AAU level, and the JUCO route is just the competitiveness between your team. Obviously, you want to get together and win games because the more you win, the more you're going to get seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, you also are trying to take the guy, if someone is ahead of you, their spot or trying to show that coach, you know, hey, you're here to watch him, but <laughs> look what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about JUCO and what ends up happening a lot is the coach will come in to watch one guy. Mm-hmm. And somebody else on their team or on the other team will pop off and now they're on his radar, you know, so uh, it was crazy. Juco, you always got to be ready to play, man. It's a dog fight. Um, but on any given night, you don't know who's in the stands watching. Um, mm-hmm. And nowadays with technology, social media and all that stuff, they don't even have to be at your games to watch you. Um, yeah. So you had to bring your best every night. But I think that's as far as the locker room, obviously jokes mm-hmm. got along just like any other team, but it's yeah. it's more competitive. I know. We had uh, a fight freshman year, fight sophomore year, but I had those even at the four-year level. And, and you know, I think at in basketball, um, if you really want to be a good team, I think you have to go through some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it actually in the end brings teams together. You know, when two guys get into it, just off the not because they don't like each other, but really just off the competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Both times at Buco level, was just in practice, two guys going at it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it coming down to almost a fist fight, people having yeah. to jump in type thing. But I think that was the biggest part in JUCO was just the competitiveness um, and the spirit between teammates and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Now I will say this: I was not a huge fan of Melly Mel and you know Melvin when we played. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but no, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, I think both ways are, are great ways, obviously, to be buddy buddy with everyone, but also that competitive. You have to be a competitor in any any sport you play, and so obviously, um, you know, being competitive, wanting to win, it makes you grow. And and even if teammates don't like each other. Um, honestly, at the end of the day, it makes them more brothers anyway. Um, you know, yeah. I don't think we might've fought your sister, actually, um, knowing your sister just a little bit, you might've fought her, but, um, you know, obviously siblings just fight all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it, it definitely makes sense. Now I have one final question about your JUCO days. And that's only because I went to North Lake for like three semesters. Uh, I believe Colin is in the DCC, right? Like they're part so, of the no, Dallas so Community Col- College. No, so Colin, Colin is is not. Um, oh. Although we did play all those Dallas community okay. colleges preseason, 
um because all those colleges like north lake brookhaven uh mm-hmm. cedar valley richland all those are in like a, a conference or district together mm-hmm. uh calling where we're we're with like the bigger juco's uh like hill mcclinton gotcha uh those were kind of like yeah yeah but we did we did play a lot of those dallas juco's as like preseason and exhibition games and stuff like uh, that okay so i think i think north lake then is like I th- so y'all are y'all are region one for the juco right colin was we're or district i forget one. where or i forget we're, we're we're division one juco yes whereas all the dallas jucos are division three jucos okay um but i can't remember what region we're in i want to say it was like five 14, mm-hmm. uh, something like that one of those two regions i always get them confused um but yeah we were division one juco um but the dallas ones were division three but but really there wasn't a huge mm-hmm. difference like i said we went to play in some of the exhibition games um and and those cats could play too i'll say that <laughs> yeah well I, the only why i ask is because my first year there actually at north lake was 2017 uh the 2017-2018 school year and i believe the year before north lake won like the division three like they they won their like region or whatever or something like that yeah um, yeah yeah so that they, that doesn't like north lake's been known um in that division three level to be good i know they've gone to the natty i think they might have won it i think that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. um or something like that or at least the region or this area or something like that yeah so those 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 dallas jucos um are very competitive um very good programs as well yeah exactly so makes sense i i for some reason i thought colin was in there but um i i didn't know much about colin for being honest uh <laughs> even when i was going to schools and whatnot now um you go through a second recruitment process because you're trying to get to a four-year school obviously um what was the second kind of recruitment process like for yourself um because I'm, I'm assuming juco you got to almost sell yourself a little bit more than you would coming out of high school um you, you dealt with it once you weren't as successful as you would like to so what's kind of that second recruitment process like for yourself yeah um you're you're exactly right it is pretty similar um as far as the aspect of like putting yourself out there sending mm-hmm. stuff out putting your name out there going to all the camps and anything you can uh, just to get in front of coaches, but I think at the JUCO level, um, especially my experience being at coach, uh, being at Colin with Coach Sagona, uh, he knows every oh, every coach in the country. Man, he's been around forever. He's been you know at Colin for thirty plus years, so he's sent people everywhere. Um, so I think it, I think that helped out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas at high school level, yes, my coach did know you know coaches and stuff like that, but at the JUCO level, I think the coaches are a lot more involved because they're constantly sending kids to that next level. Mm-hmm. But kids at the kids at four year schools are constantly coming back to JUCOs, mm-hmm. um, you know, for various reasons. They got hurt or whatever, grades, all that kind of stuff. So I think um, that was the main difference at the JUCO level was the coach was a lot more um, involved and just knowing of more coaches and, and programs and stuff where I would, you know, where players, not myself uh, necessarily, but where players would fit in. But yeah, I mean, I was still sending stuff out, I was still going to camps. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the JUCO level, the coach focuses on the sophomores, obviously, because they're the ones, you know, getting ready to transition mm-hmm. uh, and really tries to help them out and sending them on to the next level, um, both for our good, obviously, but also for their good. I mean, it makes their program look good if they're sending mm-hmm. out recruits every year, um, which Colin has. And that's why they continue to get more and more recruits, because these guys come in and they're like, well, hey, he, he sent all five or six of them to, you know, to four-year schools last year yeah um so i think the coaches are a little bit more involved and and more engaged in trying to send their players to the next level 
um, at the high school, than, more so than at the high school level. No, actually, it's a great point. I never actually thought about that. You know, they do know a lot more people than than your average high school coach. Um, and they do obviously send more guys out. Um, and they also get guys in that they want to try to resend out from, from school. So that actually is a very good point. Um, probably made it just a little bit easier just because, you know, you're already in college. They know people and whatnot. But yeah. uh, but why UT Tyler? Why did why did you end up going to UT Tyler to play your, to finish out your career? Yeah, so UT Tyler, um, you know, loyalty is a big thing with me. And they were one of the first schools that had reached out and kind of shown interest to me early on in my sophomore year. And they stuck with me uh, throughout. So that was a big part of it. Um, but just from the handful of schools that, you know, were kind of interested and wanted me to come out. I think Tyler had the, uh, the, the campus life, mm -hmm. uh, the basketball program as a whole. Um, this school being a UT, being a UT system school, you know, you're getting a similar education to any, you know, University of Texas, Austin, UTA, UTD, all those schools are pretty similar across the board. So being a UT system school, um, the, the, the campus life, like I said, the facilities, I'm um, not sure if you had a chance to look, but like our gym is, mm -hmm. is you know, mid-major division one gym. It's a dome, yeah. nice seating, all that kind of stuff. So that had a big part to do with it. Um, but, and then, you know, just the coaching staff and like I said, the loyalty and stuff that they showed early on. Mm -hmm. um, the interest that they showed early on, they came out to a lot of games. I want to say maybe like two visits. I know one for sure. I think two out there. Um, so I really just enjoyed the coaching staff, uh, the program. And then uh, one of my JUCO teammates also was going to Tyler as well. I, I ended up committing a little bit before him, but we both had, you know, talked about it and we're mm -hmm. leaning towards that way. So I think that that played a big part in it as well. There you go. Well, hey, I mean, it ended up working out for you. Um, obviously, the end of your career was not great uh, just because of injuries, but um, kind of talk about the transition a little bit. You know, you, you kind of mentioned it just a little bit, but. Um, it's a lot different. You're not a freshman coming into four-year school. You're a sophomore who's experienced two years of school um, going into a locker room, and it's not like you have four years to make a name for yourself. Like, you, you really only got two years. Now they uh, – coaches have a lot of film on you and stuff like that. But would you say coaches put more trust in guys like yourself who are coming in with two years of college experience over a freshman, or is that just kind of depending on the talent of the two? Yeah, I think it kind of just depends, but, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody about this, you know, the other day, and it's a, it's a growing topic mm -hmm. in the way that college basketball is going on right now. I think coaches are looking for guys that can come in and make an impact right away, mm -hmm. um, and freshmen can do that, no doubt, um, but a lot of times JUCO guys in Division One and Division Two transfers and stuff like that, like you said, that have already played at that college level for two years, typically are ready to play day one, whereas a freshman, you may have to catch them up on the speed of the game, mm -hmm. physicality of the game, um, you know, the attention to D kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, obviously co-transfers and, and, and transfers in general already have that experience. Um, so I think it just depends, but I think coaches do um, like JUCO and transfer kids. And, and nowadays with the transfer portal, the way it is, mm -hmm. and the NCAA um, waiving, you know, the one year sit out period, Mm -hmm. A lot of times where kids can just go from one school to one school and play right away, you know, be eligible to play right away. I think um, the transfer portal is the big, you know, big time where, where the coaches are looking nowadays, that transfer portal, just because to my point, they can get kids that are ready to play day one that they don't have to wait a year or so to get them developed and ready to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so what was your kind of experience like for yourself 
those, the, I guess those, both those years there, obviously senior cut short, but still, what was that? What was those, what was that experience like for yourself? Yeah. So actually you, I know, I know why you're probably saying that. Um, it was, it was my junior year that I got hurt and got my, got mm. that, that season got cut short, but anyway, uh, it was, it was great. I mean, obviously the physicality and the speed of the game, um, is is a little bit more but it's pretty similar honestly at the juco level like i said the division one juco level um was pretty similar to what what i was playing at at the division two level as well mm-hmm. um but yeah the physicality the speed of the game but i think the attention to detail was the big thing at the four-year school because at juco obviously it's more so you know um it's like a free game as far as you know you can kind of do what you want where at the at the four years level um you know you, you've already got to that point so it's not really about putting yourself out there and showing out for coaches now it's about fitting into your role and helping the team win Mm -hmm. as much as you can and um so you know at the juco level where you could take bad shots to try to get your rhythm going at the at the four-year level you come in the game you jack a bad shot you're going to be right back on the bench and Mm -hmm. you may not get back in um or you know coach calls a play and you don't run it right or set the right screen or the cut or whatever then you know same same type of thing you may be on the bench and not get back in for that game but it could be two games you know yeah. <laughs> two or three games um so I think the attention to detail was the big thing at the four-year school I mean we we had plays on deck I think I mean it would be like a quarterback literally open up their little wristband and calling stuff out in the middle of the game because of how many plays and different sets and stuff we had um so yeah I think the attention to detail uh was the big part you know the biggest change from uh JUCO to the four-year level Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking at the site right now. That's why I'm, my head's like this. Um, Cause I, I guess mentally I, I read it as your senior year, but yes, it was your junior year that it was cut short. I'm just retarded and I can't read. Um, <laughs> so well, they, probably, they probably don't have the senior stuff up to the last year. Um, what, what is that what you're seeing? Yeah. Is that what you're seeing? Like the last thing they have up with you. Yeah. So that's probably why you just assumed it was mine. That's what I was saying. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yes. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Um, but so so yeah so there's there's one game in particular I want to talk about your Dallas Christian game um, on November twelfth uh, you had sixteen points as the highest of your career which I mean people might say oh that's not a lot but like that's a lot in college I mean the, I think the lead leading score this year Max Amos had like tw- I think he had like he was averaging twenty four points in college a game around there. yes so twenty 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 to twenty four so sixteen is not far off but what was that what was that game like and how were you feeling that game. Yeah, so Dallas Christian was an exhibition game. They're a uh, they're similar to kind of like a JUCO team essentially. Um, so that was like an exhibition game. Um, everybody we knew going in, everybody would have a chance to play. You know, kind of show out. It was one of our first games, our first chance to play against somebody other than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Which at the four year level, you're always itching for that first game because mm-hmm. you start first day of school, um, and that's all. And you you know you only get to play against your teammates up until that first game. So we were all in for that opportunity. Um, but yeah, I remember that Dallas Christian game, that first one, I was feeling good, uh, knocked out a couple shots early on. Um, but what I'm most proud of that game was that eight assist. Mm-hmm. That was uh, by far the most I had in college. I think I only had like one turnover. So my assist to turnover ratio was really good that game as well, um, which is something I always focused on. Um, so yeah, I started off shooting the ball, hit a couple shots, but I think what I like most, and I'm still that way. Obviously, I'm a scorer and a shooter first, but I love getting other guys involved. Um, so, so being able to facilitate and get guys open shots and easy shots and easy layups in that game was what I was most proud of. 
And and I'm never that one to keep up with my stats in the game. So I remember looking after that game, like eight assists. I'm like, you know, how did I have eight assists being a two guard, you know, not even yeah. the ball. But it was just one of those things where it was happening. We were all moving the ball, all sharing mm-hmm. it. Um, and I was just finding guys in, their, in the right spot at the right time. Well, and as we talked about earlier with our AU days, it, it makes it nice whenever you guys, you have guys who can make shots, but also whenever you're starting to get hot, it gets other people open. Right. Um, and so you also had the most threes in your career that night with five made threes. I'm sure after your third and fourth one, they were starting to close out on you a little bit harder every time you caught the ball. So it makes other guys open right. um, and yep. whatnot. So um, now I did notice your junior year, you were number one, correct? Yes. Your senior one. year, you were number 15. Why the number change? Uh, a couple different things. One was we got new jerseys, <laughs> um, but there was a, we had a big time recruit coming in, mm-hmm. um, going for my junior, senior year. He was a division one transfer and he, he was always number one. Oh. He wanted to stay number one. And, you know, I'm one of those guys. I wasn't superstitious. I didn't wear one or 15 growing up or mm-hmm. in high school or any AAU, anything like that. Um, so it was one of those things where he wanted to wear one. We were getting new jerseys anyway. I liked 15. I was okay with the change. So I let him roll with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up being a good decision. He was our best player our senior year, leading scorer, um, that type of thing. So uh, still, you know, still one of my good friends today. Still talk to him all the time. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, just new jerseys and, and one of our recruits coming in when it was always number one, uh, wanted to wear number one as well. So I was okay with, you know, giving it up, letting him wear that. Gotcha. Now I didn't know if it was a superstitious thing. I mean, you just, you never know. It's all like that nowadays. You know, everyone's yeah. like, I like my specific, now I'm that way too. Um, but, but I mean, obviously like, you know, if you can't tell already, Bradley's a team, team guy, he's team first, he will shoot the ball and he can get hot, but he's a team guy first. And, you know, obviously giving it up uh, your number um, is, is kind of a big deal to a lot of people. Um, and, and, and you know, we see it nowadays where now let me ask you this. Did 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 you make him pay you or did you make him take you out to dinner or something to get that number? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I should have now thinking back on it. I should have I should hey. have uh, not gave it up so easily. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell him to send you like fifteen, twenty dollars on uh, on Venmo. Right. <laughs> every time he every time he posts a picture uh of in that jersey and like I need something, you know. <laughs> hey, co- collect some interest over the years, some royalties on that. Um right. <laughs> Uh, now, now, what was the, the home game experience like at UT, Tyler? Uh, like your home crowd and everything like that. What, what was the home game like for you guys? Yeah, we actually had a pretty good turnout at Tyler. Uh, the campus life was pretty good. Um, and uh, the teams honestly did a lot for each other. We would always do kick, cookouts and show out for all the girls, volleyball, soccer, um, and the guys, you know, baseball, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, they would do the same for us. At Tyler, we don't have football. Mm-hmm. um so the big sports at the beginning of the year obviously are volleyball on the girls side and then basketball on the boys side mm-hmm. um because the rest of the sports typically fall you know in the, in the spring um so I think a lot of it had to do with uh us just being engaged with the other sports and then mm-hmm. you know them returning the favor and we all we all you know would show out and to the girls games and the other guys sports and they would do the same for us and we all hung out outside of school and stuff like that as well um so that that's where we got a lot of you know the the college age kids and we also did theme nights you know did different giveaways for for students to come and it was free I want to say with their ID just like most schools would Mm -hmm. be to come um but as far as like the uh the the crowd in Tyler Tyler is a it's a good crowd and and it's one of those smaller towns so the people that live there 
that's their entertainment going to mm-hmm. the high school and the college games in a town like that. Um, so we would always have, you know, a good turnout of people that, you know, didn't have really any affiliation with the university just coming to watch as well as, you know, other sports um, and, and, and kids coming to watch us. Um, also, Tyler, it, it's weird. A lot of people don't know there's three colleges in Tyler. Mm-hmm. You have University of Texas at Tyler, where I was at. You have TJC, Tyler Junior College, and then you also have Texas College, which is an NAIA school. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's three you know different colleges right in the same area so um, we also would get kids from those schools that would come out and watch you know if we had a big game or whatever coming up so it, it was a good turnout uh, like I said we have a big gym mm-hmm. um, like a mid-major division one gym so it's one of those things where sometimes it wouldn't look as filled as it really was because you got a big gym you know it's almost yeah. sometimes it's almost better to play in a small gym that's packed mm-hmm. rather than a you know a huge gym with the same amount of people, it just seems like there, you know, there's less people in the gym. Exactly. So because we had a big gym, it sometimes seemed like there wasn't a lot of people, but there was always a, always a good amount of people, um, especially once we got into our, our uh, conference games. And if we've had, you know, any good opponents coming in town or that type of thing, or mm-hmm. if we were on a hot streak, um, yeah. you know, we, we'd always had a good turnout. So yeah, I was very happy and pleased with what we did to, you know, keep the community and keep the other students engaged and coming to our games. There you go. Now, I vaguely remember this, and I'm sure you can answer this. You you liked when people talked crap to you, right? Like you you liked you like talking trash and, and hearing people in the crowd and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm one of those guys where that that gets me going. I, <laughs> I I don't I don't talk a lot. I mm-hmm. sort of typically let my game uh, try to do the talking, but I do like when people are chirping. I'll do something where I hit a three and then just kind of look at them, or you know, um, hit a three and look at the crowd at the people that were making noise that kind of thing that's that's kind of what I like but yeah I am uh one of those people okay yeah so so that kind of gets me going um it makes me play harder so the reason why I asked that is because my next question is what place did you go to whether it be an in-conference uh, opponent or just any gym or any team excuse me um that had the rowdiest crowd that kind of got you the most hostile crowd I guess you can call it yeah I mean honestly uh, loud and stuff and engaged but I remember specifically my senior year uh which is University of Texas Permian they had one of those gyms that I'm talking about that's a little bit smaller and really mm-hmm. echoes and they and it was packed because it was small and they had a band uh, their sports and stuff were there and uh I remember that that game being very it was a close game we ended up going in overtime I think once we lost but it was an overtime game close game um but something that I'd never really seen, uh, which is interesting too. So before the game, when we were, you know, getting our warm up shots in or whatever, going through mm-hmm. or whatever, was sitting on the baseline, and they had a whiteboard um, and a mark, and literally they were tallying every shot we missed in warm ups. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone like missed a three or a jumper, they would tally it, you know. And so by the time, by the end of our thirty minute warm up. The whole board was just filled with tally marks for people missing. I'd never seen that before. I thought it was interesting. Um, but yeah, they were a rowdy bunch. And I want to say just because the gym was a little bit smaller and they had a band, um, mm. made it super loud, um, super intense in there. So that was yeah. like one game I do remember uh, being. Now, we just got done talking about your college career a little bit. Now, was there any aspirations to potentially go play overseas professionally for whatever reason? Um, you know, obviously. I know that you were really good at basketball. 
Um, was there any kind of thought about playing professionally overseas, any kind of interest at all? Yeah, uh, so I definitely thought about it and uh, kind of wanted to, obviously. I think it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, you know, with injury and some other stuff, I didn't have as great a college career as I probably would have liked and probably would have helped me you know, more get, get seen on that level. Um, but I think I still could have maybe in a smaller country. Um, but really one of the reasons is COVID kind of hit a pause on all that kind of stuff, man. Right. When I was graduating is when, is when COVID hit. Um, uh, I even had to move out of, out of school a little bit early and stuff. Like right as our season was ending is when that kind of came on in March and April. Um, so that hit took a pause on it. Um, but I, I also, I just, I didn't have the type of college career uh, really to put me out there. I mean, obviously you don't really have to, you could still go play, but I was interested in it for sure. And I think if the opportunity in myself, I probably would have, if it was in a good country, that's the thing about mm-hmm. um, overseas though, is, you know, you got to be careful um, about, you know, where you're going, what you're getting into that kind of stuff. I've heard a lot of experiences mm-hmm. um, from different people that have done that. But I think if the opportunity presented myself, presented to myself in a good country um, that paid well and all that kind of stuff, I probably would have done it. Maybe, you know, even if it was just for a season or a couple mm-hmm. of years, just get that experience yeah um and and do that but COVID hit a COVID hit a pause on that for sure um but then also me getting that gig over at you know Grapevine Fieldhouse I ended up just rolling with that and taking that on um so both of those things kind of kind of you know led me not to go that direction um but I think if the opportunity presented myself like I said if it was in a good country and that kind of stuff I probably would have yeah would have um looked into it and definitely done that I got you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I know why I thought about asking you and I didn't ask the other guys um, is, is as realistically, like, I know, like I said, you're, you literally would have fit in any system. Um, and I thought, and I remember us having conversations about potentially going and playing, you know, professionally with some of the guys. And you were definitely one of the guys that I thought from that kind of the AAU team that had a real shot, you know, at making it the next level, just because you could do so many different things. Um, you know, you weren't, you weren't one dimensional. Yeah. Yeah, and I think no, you're exactly right. I think uh, my game, I actually is more of like an overseas game mm-hmm. too. You know, like running off screens, off ball, moving with off the ball, which is really how um, the European style and overseas kind of game is more pick and roll, pick and pop, that kind of stuff. Um, so you're exactly right. But yeah, that just just based off of those kind of things, um, you know, COVID, and then obviously getting that job, I kind of just rolled with that. Yeah. Uh, well, COVID, COVID ruined everything. The only thing good that happened from COVID, at least for myself, is I started these two podcasts. So shout out COVID. Um, <laughs> but, um, but now then on a kind of a lighter note, um, you know, th- these are questions that, that I'll ask you that are off the wall, probably never be asked these questions again. The first one um, is kind of related to girls a little bit, actually a lot of bit. So we, we interviewed uh, some volleyball girls on the Split Uprise podcast, um, probably almost six months now, uh, and back in like October and November and stuff like that. And we asked them what sport makes the hottest boyfriend. Uh, so I'm going to flip it on you. What girl sport makes the hottest girlfriend in your opinion? You know, you've got volleyball, soccer, basketball, uh, softball, um, any, any sport, tennis. We, someone did say tennis. So, uh, but what, what in your opinion makes for the hottest girlfriend or can make the hottest? I've always, I've always been big on volleyball, mm-hmm. um, soccer, but also track and field as a sleeper. Girls that run track as a sleeper, but, mm-hmm. but uh, 
I think I think volleyball and soccer are the main two for me. That's kind of always been how I, how I've been. There you go. Yeah, and and then being in Texas, you know, football is the big sport for guys. For girls, it's volleyball, and so all the girls play volleyball, um, and so you know they just have a bigger pool. Uh, but then soccer girls always end up, you know, looking the nicest. So uh, <laughs> just, just, just be there for that. Um, and then my next question is, and this is kind of a funny one. This is more for your parents. If they're listening to this, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, if you were to get arrested for whatever reason and no, there was no explanation given, what would your parents think you got arrested for? Ooh, uh, probably something drinking or, or car related i would say mm-hmm. uh doing something with my car being somewhere i'm not supposed to be mm-hmm. who knows i don't know what they would think i know they would be mad though that's what i know <laughs> yes yes I, I remember your dad um he yeah. was quite the funny guy if you've met mr mason he is very funny um and as as he but said but doesn't but doesn't doesn't try to be your mean to be funny he's just funny yeah <laughs> you know he's just one of those guys and i always laughing at him too just stuff he says and does i'm like what are you doing but yeah well whenever you meet him too you don't expect him to be funny. <laughs> but your pop your pops is like this, this, this. right right like right i mean i think i remember one of the first times i saw him in person he wears his button down uh collar i i don't even know plaid shirt Bun down plaid like shirt. Like a plaid shirt, yeah. With a, yep. with he's got he's got like jorts on and he's got yep, the, the the dad vibe with the with the white socks that are not Nike or anything. They're just plain white socks and like the dad shoes. And then he comes over to you and he's just white socks. <laughs> yep. And yep. he comes over to you and says something like just out of the blue, and you're like, wait, are you and then like I mean it, it's just he he was a very funny guy. Yeah. Um, yep. from from what I can recall. Yep. But no, you're um, exactly you're exactly right like I said just one of those guys that just says and does stuff um not necessarily trying to be funny uh just ends up being funny you know there you go exactly now this last one uh can maybe get you in trouble with some of your teammates and actually it's probably a bad question to ask you because you have a sister um but are teammates sisters off limits to date teammates sisters yeah I would say so (laughs) teammates sisters um girls any girls they've been talking to I think it's I think it's the same with just normal bro code. Just you know, um, same thing with being being a you know being friends with a guy off, off the court, non basketball related. I think sisters, uh, former flings, former girls, uh, that kind of thing, all off limits for me, um, just because of the loyalty situation. And, and basketball, it's it's I think it makes things too sticky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think trying to do trying to sneak and do that stuff off the court. It's only going to catch up to you and just and just look bad you know on the court once that one may finds out or whoever tells them or whatever um so i like to just stay out of all that mess it's funny because on the girl side of basketball you get all that drama you know with mm-hmm. girls dating um uh, their teammates uh you know boyfriends or brothers or other you know past boyfriends or whatever so you get a lot of that drama on the girl's side. And I've seen it, obviously, having a sister and stuff. Um, so I've always just liked to stay out of all that um, and try to go try to go for somebody that, that you know, hasn't been with somebody that I'm going to have to see every day. <laughs> exactly. Now, I, I think your sister's too young for this, but has any of your teammates tried to date your sister? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, not that I know of. Okay. Um, but so that's a good thing. But yeah, she's yeah she's two years younger than me. Um, so obviously growing up, you know, two years is like a mm-hmm. huge age difference. But as you get older, you realize that two years really isn't. Um, so no, I didn't I didn't have any. Not that I know of, at least that that dated her. Or not, I know none of them dated her. But as far as like hitting her up, who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, type thing, but yeah uh i'd like to keep all that off limits if we could (laughs) there you go hey that makes sense now let me ask you this one final question about this are coaches daughters off limits now these are coaches of your coaching staff you play for not coaches of like another team yeah i was gonna say because coaches of other teams daughters i think i think that's green light Mm -hmm. Uh, um but coaches that I've played for, I've never been in the situation to, mm-hmm. to, you know, to do that or whatever. But that's, that's almost like a reality TV movie <laughs> thing. You know, that's just what you see um, in movies and stuff like that. So I think it could, I think it could be done. Um, I, I put, I personally want it. I think all that stuff just brings too much drama. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know me, I just like to hoop. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it just brings too much in, but I would say if the situation's right, maybe, but the thing with me that's weird about that is then, then your coach, it, it, it becomes more of a, less of a coach player relationship, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and yep. then you get all that outside stuff, uh, you know, involved with basketball. So for me, I would say none, none of that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like you're, you know, it's almost like you're the coach's kid in a sense um right and then say something happens between you and the daughter whether you know it was cheating whatever or anything if anything just happens if y'all break up I mean that relationship is is hindered at, at somehow even if it's just a player coach relationship he's gonna look at you differently right. than he does right. everyone else on the roster so better to keep your right. cards better better be safe than sorry and just stay off limits yep. on that one the teammates one, I <laughs> yep. teammates one I, I'm I'm more iffy about it. and the more and more I ask people I get more iffy but coaches, I, it's it is black and white for me on that one. Stay away from coaches' daughters. Yeah. So. I, I I agree. I think it just adds too much uh, to that relationship that you don't want. <laughs> exactly, hundred percent. So that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, Bradley, for coming on. Um, I'm gonna give you the floor. You can shout out your if you have any like pages, like shoe pages or anything like that. Kobe had one last week. Um, shout out your Instagram, Twitter, whatever you want to do. Shout yourself out. Um, give me any last words you'd like to give out to the podcast, but go ahead. I'll let you have the floor here. I would just say, Drew, appreciate you for having me on. Uh, always been a real one, brother. Mm-hmm. As far as shoe pages, uh, go look at my boys. He got soul on Instagram. My Instagram is underscore Bradley Mason, uh, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y-M-A-S-O-N. Other than that, it's been a pleasure to do it again soon. Of course, of course. Yes. And, we're, we're getting the band back together at some point. We're eating, we're having some, we're either going to have a cookout at someone's house. Or we're going to go out with just, just the boys and hang out. Cause we are a family for sure. We're brothers for life, even though we don't see each other. Fortunately, I get to see you almost every weekend now because uh, I'm coaching and you're, you're up there, uh, you know, running things at Grapevine Fieldhouse, but thank you so much for spending your Sunday afternoon, hanging out with me today. Um, and we'll see you guys next time for our next interview. And that's going to do it for our interview with Bradley. What an interview. What a guy. Um, I love every time I get a chance to see him now, you know, he's up at the field house, Grapevine field house. You, I coach there. So I get to see him every once in a while. It's awesome to catch up with him anytime. He's a great dude. Um, I'm glad I was able to bring him on the podcast. Um, but if you, again, if you guys enjoyed this, 
please leave a like on the YouTube video for us. And then if you guys want to listen to more of our interviews, we have a lot more coming up. Uh, we've already had a couple that we've uh, that have been on. Make, make sure to check out those ones as well. But you guys can check us out on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you guys listen or watch podcasts. Uh, again, on YouTube, it's at Sideline Sports. It looks up at the channel name or use this episode, for example. Be able, be sure to subscribe while you're there. <clears throat> and then if you want to look us up on Apple or Spotify, it's at Five Out. Be sure to follow or subscribe to there. Again, those subscriptions are free, so please do it. It helps us out in the long run. Thank you guys so much again for listening. Uh, we hope to see you guys next week when we bring on our new athlete next week. That's going to do it for us here on the Five Out Podcast. Thank you again to Bradley for coming on. I had a fun time talking to him again, but we'll see you guys next week. I don't feel nobody, and I will some riding on my friendships. Solid, I get big deposits on my whips, exotic. Living in Angie, city dependent. I gotta finish it, I want opinions. She wanted things, yeah. She wanna ring us some sort of arrangement, yeah. Something that's dangerous. I wanna change it, I wanna claim it, yeah. I want it painted, yeah. She quick to say no, cause she know she a diamond. Yeah. She getting quiet, yeah. She on the diet, she want a massage, yeah. Tryna get into me, yeah. Bank account never diminishing, yeah. Niggas are changing their images, yeah. Niggas act hard, but they innocent, yeah. Hop in the tank and move militant, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find me somewhere out in London, you know that's the hideaway. I need some head and some more support from you right away. Since I've been making donations to you like United Way, you know I do. Stories you told me about him, I can see that it's night and day. You told me the truth. Walking from here to my bedroom and feel like it's miles away. There's too many rooms. And I'm still hard, buddy. I don't feel nobody. And I'm will some riding on my friendships. Solid, I get big deposits on my whips. Exotic, trunk all the engine. I'm on a mission. The Bronco 250, I'm out your division. I got him excited. Know it's been a little minute. I love her delighted. Made her love off a crown horn. He suck her despite it. The touch is the Midas. She say, fuck me and calm. I just do it. I love her, but Nike. Order the ginger for you and your friends. Show for you running that big body bins. Got a little bit that came up from nothing. We shopping in London and doing it big. Man, they proper, but we out in public. I know we the topic for you and your kids. Life Monopoly gon' blow not an option. If they could've stopped it, they would've been dead. They would've been dead. She could be the wig. Don't play with my hands, you test my emotions. Don't be testing my phone every day, I'ma leave it on red. Don't digging and stroking. My new bitch pussy wet like an ocean, I need a new spread. The silent one chosen. Ain't gon' wanna stay focused, I can't let them put me on edge. Yeah, put me on edge. I just bust out my wrist and this rose go in and say, yeah. I just put pointers on the I just counted to me and I'll cash and got hit from the feds. Yeah. I just told him if he played, then we stopped in the growth for the dreads. I just had to put the pyramid, push that I'm never gon' drive him to shit. Fill a panoramic doors, we got foes and dudes Toast on the big dog on my coast Like Roman, it's with the scopes Ain't telling this bitch my goals Had a living at the Montrose I'm a peep, but a player, not pole Yeah, I been thinking about selling my soul Take me out the country and drop me in apartments You won't see me cry I just put macaroni cheese in my pocket And it came with the size I just put 20 mil inside an extra I don't give a fuck about your life You had a buzz, but that shit was too little I promise you never was high